This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode of For Real is sponsored by Get Booked. Get Booked is Book Riot's podcast for personalized reading recommendations, and uh, the podcast has added a weekly bonus episode called The Hand Sell. Jen and Amanda, former booksellers, will take five minutes every episode to pitch you a book they think you'll love, with notes about what readers the book is perfect for. The hosts will be focusing on books they haven't talked about much or at all on the show before, so come and hear about a new-to-you read. Regular episodes of Get Books will continue to come out every Thursday, with bonus episodes of The Hand Sell coming out every Monday. Subscribe to Get Booked wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to For Real, a bi-weekly nonfiction books podcast that puts the spotlight on books that tell it like it is, or at least try to. We'll cover new releases, backlist finds, and more. For Real is a Book Riot podcast and is hosted by me, Kim Ukra, and fellow rioter Alice Burton. Recording this week's episode on Friday, January 31st. Hello, Alice. How are you today? Uh, ready for the weekend. I'm excited it's Friday. Oh, so right. Also, when this podcast episode comes out, it'll be February and we will finally be out of January. Thank right God. now we are we are teetering on the brink, almost there. Ugh. This month feels like it has been like seven hundred days long. <laughs> That feels accurate. Um, I am excited about this week's episode. It's different. It is different. Yeah, we are going to change up the format completely and do something we have never done before, which I am super excited about. Yeah, it's going to be great. But I don't I don't do want to do the sponsor before we start talking about it or just go. Uh, I think sponsor. Let's do a sponsor. It's a good one. All right. So our first sponsor for this week is Me and White Supremacy from Sourcebooks. When Layla Saad began an Instagram challenge called hashtag me and white supremacy, she never predicted it would spread as widely as it did. She encouraged people to own up and share their racist behaviors big and small. She was looking for truth and she got it. Thousands of people participated in the challenge and nearly 100,000 people downloaded the me and white supremacy workbook. Updated and expanded from the original workbook, Me and White Supremacy takes the work deeper by adding more historical and cultural context, sharing moving stories and anecdotes, and including expanded definitions, examples, and further resources. Of the 100,000 people who responded to the call to action by downloading the workbook, I included best-selling authors like Elizabeth, Elizabeth Gilbert, Glennon Doyle, Robin D'Angelo, and celebrities like Anne Hathaway and Sophia Bush. Um, this book has been called Important, Imperative, Life-Changing, and Indispensable, and the numbers show that people are ready to do this work. Layla said gives this to them and teaches all of us how to become good ancestors and to live and work in a way that leaves a legacy of healing and liberation for those who come after us. So that is Me and White Supremacy from Sourcebooks, and we thank them for sponsoring this week's episode. That sounds so good. It does, right? Yeah, very good. Uh, I feel like I've seen it on social media, too, from some of the authors I follow on, like, Instagram, so that's really cool. All right, so this week's episode is, uh, we're gonna, this is our 50th episode, which is just bananas to me that we recorded 50 episodes, right? <laughs> yeah, we made it. We Woo-hoo. did. So it's like, 
it's halfway to, not like halfway to 100, it is halfway to 100, but 50 seems like a good good milestone. So uh, what we're going to do for this week is we are going to do uh, 50 books. We're just going to talk about 50 books, 25 each, that we love and either have recommended before or maybe we've never talked about them, but just books that we are excited about. So it's going to be pretty rapid fire because we don't have a lot of time, uh, just a normal episode length, but we're going to try to tell you about 50 great books for 50 episodes of the podcast. Just get your get your <laughs> notes ready because, if you know, it's going to be like TBR explosion. Yes. And also, this was my idea. So if you hate it, don't add Alice. You can add me about it because uh, she's just going <laughs> along. <laughs> you should add me too. I will defend you, Kim. <laughs> Thanks. All right. So book number one that I'm going to talk about is Bad Blood, Secrets and Lies in a Silicon Valley Startup by John Carreyrou, uh, which we have talked about a bunch of times, but it is a book that we both love and it is so great. So it's about uh, the company Theranos and its founder, Elizabeth Holmes, and all of the scams and shenanigans that went into their um, machine that they said could test uh, for your blood for diseases with just a single drop, which turned out to be totally tr- not true. Uh, and the whole thing was a big scam. And so this book just kind of exposes all of that and is really great. So Bad Blood by John Carriero. Um, my first pick is Building a Life Worth Living by Marsha M. Linehan. Um, this actually came out in January this year. So she is a therapist. She tells the story uh, of her journey from being a suicidal teenager who was institutionalized to basically saying, I am going to save myself and then I am going to save others. And she developed um, this behavioral therapy called DBT. Um, and so she explains like lessons from DBT and like how you can apply it to your life, even if, you know, you're kind of like not experiencing any extreme mental illness. And it's, it's a very, um, I would say eye opening and fascinating sort of uh, combination of therapy and spirituality. And I really loved it. So again, that is Building a Life Worth Living by Marsha M. Linehan. Oh, excellent. I, I saw that one a few places and I didn't read it yet, but it sounds good. All right. My second book is The Boys in the Boat by Daniel James Brown, uh, which is the story of uh, nine Americans from the University of Washington who um, competed in college or uh, in crew racing. And so they um, beat all of these elite teams in the United States and then go on to the 1936 Berlin Olympics, which was the Olympics that Hitler was holding to try and show that like Germany was great and powerful and good. And so these nine like far kids start racing in crew trying to take the Olympic gold medal. And it is um, honestly like one of the best sports books I've ever read um, and also just so, so good. I recommend this one to a lot of people all the time and nobody has told me that they didn't like it. So that is The Boys in the Boat by Daniel James Brown. I've been meaning to read that for so long. I'm okay. I'm it's gonna happen this year. I'm making a commitment <laughs> to the boys in the boat. Okay. My second is Unfollow, a memoir of loving and leaving the Westboro Baptist Church by Megan Phelps Roper. I talked about this on the podcast. Uh Megan was a member of the Westboro Baptist Church, and the book is about her kind of realizing the issues with her family, which mostly comprised the the church, and um kind of coming out into the greater world. It's so good. Again, that is unfollow. All right. My third pick is uh, The Art of Choosing by Sheena Angar. Uh, this book is older. I think it's from like 2011. Uh, and it's a book all about um, how we make choices. And so she has done, she's a researcher and a scientist who's done a ton of work looking at how people make choices and what makes choices more and less difficult. And um, this is a book that I feel like I reference to myself and to friends a lot because what she 
tells us about the paradox of choice is that when we have a kind of an infinite number of choices or we have a lot of choices, people are often have a harder time choosing, which makes sense, but are also like way more dissatisfied with the choice they ultimately make than when they start out with fewer things uh, to choose from in the first place, um, which I think is fascinating. And I think it's true for me. And so this book changed the way I approach making choices about just about everything. Like I put artificial constraints on myself just so that like I don't have to choose from as many things and I feel better about the choices I make. So this one totally changed the way I think about choosing and I um, I think about it every week probably. Uh, so that is The Art of Choosing by Sheena Ayengar. My gosh, Kim, it's another good one that I am adding to my list. <laughs> uh, mine is, my next pick is very different from that. It is A Woman's Crusade, Alice Paul and the Battle for the Ballot by Mary Walton. This book is very special to me because it was the first um, American women's suffrage book that I read. Mary Walton, the author, is a journalist, so she writes in a really, you know, like she doesn't get um, mired in his like the historian kind of like pitfall of like so many facts and just like so much information. And she's able to pick and choose what is interesting and relevant and um, kind of tells the story of the more radical fringe of the American women's suffrage battle. So again, that is A Woman's Crusade by Mary Walton. Excellent. I need to read at least one book about the the whole women's suffrage movement this year since it's the 100th anniversary of all of that. Uh, so I'll have to get a recommendation for you, whether it's that one or something else. But yeah. All right. So my fourth pick is... Um, Honestly, like one of my favorite books ever. Uh, the Great Beanie Baby Bubble by Zach Bissonette, which is a business book about, um, the whole Beanie Baby phenomenon. And so it's, um, tells about like how Beanie Babies got started, how they became completely insane, how the speculative markets impacted the, like, continually rising cost of Beanie Babies as collectibles. Um, it's also this profile of Ty Warner, who is the guy who founded the company that makes them and like what a just weird, kind of off-putting off -putting dude he was and how, like, the relationships he had with his employees. And um, I remember this book has some of just, like, the best quotes from people that I have ever read in a book. Like, he just got – I don't know if he was such a good reporter that he got people to say this stuff or if, like, they were so ready to unload on Ty Warner that they just said whatever they wanted. Um, but it has some amazing quotes in it. And it's just – if you are a person who, like, liked Beanie Babies even a little bit, like, you will find this extremely delightful. Uh, so that's The Great Beanie Baby Bubble by Zach Bissonnette. Uh, we were talking before the podcast, and I was like, oh, gosh, I need to read The Great Beanie Baby Bubble because I remember you talking about it. I'm staring <laughs> right now at a bison beanie baby that is sitting on my bookshelf because I brought it from my parents' house. I love it so much. Amazing. Anyway. Um, that's, it's such a good pick, Kim. Um, my next one is Meaty by Samantha Irby. Uh, we talked about this recently. Meaty is Samantha Irby's first book. It had a chicken on the cover. I believe the reprint does too, but maybe it's a baby chicken now. That's as unimportant. Basically, she <laughs> talks about, um, her life, her growing up, um, taking care of her mom who had, um, some major health issues and then trying to be a normal teen and like dealing with, um, like poverty and then also kind of growing into her um writerly voice if you will it's so masterfully written and such a good book um meaty by samantha irby get it like right now yes her second book uh i can't remember the title now is also super great and she's got another one coming out this year i think march or april so uh 2020 could be the year of samantha irby also my 
fifth pick is uh, The Poisoner's Handbook by Deborah Blum, um, which I should preface by saying Deborah Blum used to be one of my professors. She was a professor at the university I went to for my graduate degree in journalism, um, but I would have loved this book anyway. Uh, it is about the birth of forensic science in the United States. Um, she's profiling two, um, a detective and a police officer, I think, and a um, forensic scientist who are working in... Um, New York in the jazz age, and it's kind of the birth of all of the, many of the techniques that are part of forensic science. So he looks at all the different kinds of, uh, Alexander Geller was his name, and he looks at all sorts of different poisons and comes up with the tests and stuff that people use to try and um, uh, identify that people have used poisons to kill someone. So it's about that, and it's about the New York in the 1920s and kind of all the stuff that was going on there. Uh, and it is fascinating. It is so well written. The storytelling is just, it's just great that she has a real sense for details and and um, so it's very – it's true crime, but it's also kind of a fun one. And the cases she writes about are really interesting. So um, it's one of my favorites for sure. So that is The Poisoner's Handbook by Deborah Blum. Good job getting a true crime one in there. Uh, my next one is about space flight because why not? It is Moonbound, Apollo 11, and the Dream of Space Flight by Jonathan Federvorm. Um, it came out last year because of the whole anniversary of – the moon landing and it's it's a graphic i was gonna say a graphic novel graphic nonfiction book anyway it's illustrated and it goes from like let's say the beginning and it talks about so many different aspects of the space program including um this very sort of limited uh program where they were going to try to get women into space and um in the 60s and in that was kind of scrapped because of America and sexism and then of course you know like Russia did it but or the Soviet Union at the time did it and the US was still like eh no nah, it's fine and <laughs> so um that was one like one tiny section of it and it was just it made it so interesting i really loved it um again that is moonbound by jonathan federvorm which brings me to our second sponsor of the episode let's just take a little a little whew, little break from <laughs> Our rapid fire picks and talk about Book Riot Insiders. It's a new year. That means new perks. So the current levels of uh, Book Riot Insiders are short story and novel. And now there is the epic level. You can try out any level of Book Riot Insiders free for two weeks which is really cool. The highlight is our new group read available to all Epic members, and there's no cap on Epic. So the more the merrier. So like, we're not going to run out of space. You can keep like, just add all your friends. Just everyone join Book Riot Insiders. Every quarter, we're going to read a new book voted on by Epic subscribers that will fulfill at least one task of the 2020 Read Harder Challenge and cap off our read along with a live chat. So you get to meet all of these like new book friends via chat which is awesome. Um, so for all subscribers, we are working with a new featured vendor each quarter to create a deal just for insiders. And to find out about this and all the other perks and to sign up, go to insiders.bookriot.com. Amazing. That's it. It's really fun. The new release index is just, it's such a great thing. So, Oh my gosh. It's beautiful and so informative. Do you know how long, well, you know how long it takes to find out, like oh to God. aggregate all that information of new releases is so oh, hard and it's just so hard. right there laid out for you by Liberty Hardy. It's amazing. All right. 
book number six for me, Without You, There Is No Us by Suki Kim. Uh, so this is a memoir by a woman who um, decided she wanted to kind of go undercover in North Korea. And so she got a job teaching English to uh, college students at this uh, university for these elite sons of North Korea's kind of rich and wealthy and powerful people. And so it's just about her experience being there and what it is like to be part of this elite group of people in a country where um, people have few rights and information is really limited and they just like have a, a completely different perspective on the world. Um, and it's just a fascinating kind of peek into that world and her um, kind of understanding of how how this whole place works, I thought was fascinating to read about. So um, it's kind of undercover investigative-y, also a memoir, um, also kind of cultural studies kind of a thing. So that is Without You, There Is No Us by Suki Kim. Awesome. My next one is Men Explain Things to Me by Rebecca Solnit. Mm -hmm. When this came out, because of the way the cover was, um, I think a lot of people thought it was going to be like a humor book. And it is not, but it is so good. So the whole Men Explain Things to Me thing, um, kind of it popularized, I would say, mansplaining as a term, because the main story that she tells that uh, sort of the title comes from is like she was art talking with this guy and he was talking about you know this um book that came out or it was an article whatever he was basically say like making all these points about it and she was like oh yeah like da, da, da. and he was like oh no like that's not what it's saying you know and she was like well i like i wrote it actually <laughs> like that was that was by me um and just this whole idea of the complete overconfidence and being talked down to all the time with this I mean, it's mansplaining like that's just it so it's really short and it's a bunch of essays all of which are so good because rebecca solnit is so good again men explain things to me by rebecca solnit so good so good all right book number seven for me is stiff by mary roach um mary roach has written Lots of amazing books. Uh, Stiff is probably my favorite. And it is all about uh, what happens to dead bodies after they are donated to science. So she just goes and explores and tries to tell you all of the different things that can happen to bodies after if you die and decide you're gonna gonna go to science. And they some of them go to like crash test uh, places. Some of them are buried so people can study decomposition. Uh, some of them go to medical schools for students to learn. Um, and it's just it's gross. It's very gross. Uh, but it is really fascinating. It's probably my favorite of her books just because of like how weird the whole thing is. So uh, The Stiff by Mary Roach. Okay, I need to read that. I've been watching so much Caitlin Doty on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, she has this whole thing on, um, it's not called Epic Corpses, but it's it's basically that idea. She basically talks about like, you know, she has all these different series about death. And I know she has at this point three books out. And I just, uh, Stiff sounds like in that vein, mm -hmm, if you for will. For sure. That's awesome. Okay. Um, my next one is Spare Parts, Four Undocumented Teenagers, One Ugly Robot, and the Battle for the American Dream by Joshua Davis. This book is so good. I just <laughs> feel like if you like underdog stories and things that are – I mean, this book came out a while ago, but it's still relevant. There's definitely a lot, right? They're, they are undocumented immigrants and um, these kids at this high school where they compete in this robotics competition and they beat MIT and it's – just so triumphant, but then also, you know, you'd like makes you wanna like do something social justice wise because like they don't have this fair shake after they do this amazing thing and are clearly like brilliant kids. Um, oh gosh, just just read it if you want to feel uplifted but also motivated. Um, it is again spare parts by Joshua Davis. 
I put that on my list to read after you talked about it the first time, and I didn't. So it's going on my list again. going to read mm. that one. Book number eight is Word Freak by Stefan Fatsis. Uh, and this is a book that is about the world of competitive Scrabble. Uh, and I feel like maybe that's all I need to say about it, because like either you're going to think, like, oh, man, a book about the world of competitive Scrabble sounds awesome, or you're going to be like, that isn't for me. Um, it's exactly what you think it is. Like, he writes about trying to become a competitive Scrabble player. He profiles people who compete in Scrabble. Um, it is it is amazing. I love it. It's so weird. Uh, but if you're not into competitive Scrabble, then it's probably not your thing. So word freak, Stefan Fatsis. <laughs> Um, I am so bad at Scrabble. I just want to say that. I'm terrible at Scrabble, too. I'm so bad. It's just people are like, oh, you read all the time. You mm-hmm. must be great. And I'm yes. like, no, no. no. My mind nope. doesn't work that way. Um, okay. My next pick, it, this is a this is a pick for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I chose it. Um, so, okay. I was reading uh, Barnaby Rudge, A Tale of the Riots of 80 by uh, Charles Dickens and that book took me forever because it is bad um, but in the middle of it I was like I'm going to read about the history of these 1780 riots so I read King Mob the story of Lord George Gordon and the London riots of 1780 uh, this uh, depicts a terrifying time when basically London was or England was trying to give Catholics rights back they had very few rights as Catholics and had had very few rights for hundreds of years. And so London was like, okay, we're going to, again, England, was gonna, we're going to try to like give that back a little bit. And this guy, uh, Lord George Gordon, Lord George Gordon was basically like, no. And he led a mob of people. And they tore down jails in London. Like, they went through and, like, tore down Newgate. And you think, that sounds impossible. But no, they did it. It's so (laughs) bananas. And um, the story is fascinating. They were basically – there were all of these, like, um, militia people just standing by because England was so, like, we are not ruled by – the army were ruled by civil authorities and the civil authorities didn't want to tell the militia to interfere because then they were like the mob's gonna tear our house down it was fascinating okay again this is king mob by christopher hibbert it's so good that is uh, very much an alice book (laughs) 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 all right um so book nine for me is uh, When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Calthani. Uh, and this is a memoir by a man who uh, was a doctor and then he uh, was diagnosed with a very late stage cancer. And so he is writing this memoir as he is dying. Uh, and it's all about like him kind of coming to terms with that and his relationship with his wife and his relationship with his very young daughter. And it is, um, it is heartbreaking and it is beautiful and it is very smart and the, afterward i believe is written by his wife after he died and it just like tore my heart out and stomped on it but it was also very beautiful and good so um if you are looking for that kind of thing uh when breath becomes air by paul kalsani i'm always so impressed by your ability to read sad books uh great job Mm. great job there sometimes you just like need a good cry i don't know if that's true Okay, um, my next pick is The Orchid Thief by Susan Orlean. This was, you know, the, the book kind of launched Susan Orlean's um, literary career. I believe that's a fair mm-hmm. statement. And is it all about orchids and Florida and just the 
insanity that is the orchid community and how they're like weird alien plants that no one understands really it's um i didn't know anything about orchids going in and i thought it was so fascinating um i i know it's been like a i also thought it was a fiction book before i picked it up and then i was like oh no it is a very very famous nonfiction book so that was awesome to add to my list last year and just like check off because it was worth it again the orchid thief by Susan Orlean. Such a good one. Such a good one. All right. Uh, my next pick is another memoir that is not going to be uh, unfamiliar. Uh, Educated by Tara Westover is great. Um, Tara Westover grew up the daughter of um, Mormon fundamentalists in a, I think, rural Idaho. And so she writes about her childhood um, and sort of not being allowed to go to school and having to help in her dad's scrapyard and all of the just like violence and danger and misogyny and um, sexism that was happening in her childhood. Eventually, she is able to get into college, but she goes there and realizes how like little she knows and how much she has been prevented from understanding the world. And so it's about kind of what her education finally brings to her and how it changes her and her family. Um, and it is um, – there's a lot of, of very um, intense violence and um, comfortable stuff, but it's an incredible read. Um, my book club read this one at the beginning of 2019, and just everybody loved it and just thought it was great. So um, it's not a not a surprising recommendation, but it's still really good. So Educated by Tara Westover. So good. What a great book. Um, okay, my next one is My Squirrel Days by Ellie Kemper. Ellie Kemper is Erin on The Office. She was also in Bridesmaids. Uh, she's done – oh, she's Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, my gosh. What am I doing? I've been rewatching <laughs> The Office, so uh, that's my immediate reference point. Yes, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, Ellie Kemper wrote a book. It's a series of essays, like most, you know, sort of comic memoirs are. And the title comes from, um, as a child, she was trying to befriend squirrels in her backyard after she watched Dances with Wolves. So this is just one kind of glimpse into her mindset. She's so funny. She's so smart. And I really, really loved it. It was like exactly my sense of humor. So again, it was My Squirrel Days by Ellie Kemper. All right. My next pick is probably, like, maybe the most Kim uh, idiosyncratic pick on this list. Uh, it's called Portage by Sue Leaf. And this is a book I picked up when I was on a vacation up north. And I, like, grabbed it kind of impulsively at an independent bookstore. And it turned out to be, like, the book that I would not stop talking about for the rest of the year. Uh, and so it is a, uh, a collection of kind of essays and stories that Sue Leaf writes about all of her experiences canoeing. So starting out with canoeing with her husband when they were first dating up in the Boundary Waters, all the way to, like, urban canoeing trips with her young children. And then as they kind of grow up, her um, older children and the adventure she and her husband go on after their kids leave the house. And it made me completely obsessed with the idea of canoeing. Um, and I talked about it constantly, like all of the rest of the summer after I read it and much of the year, much to the annoyance of like everyone in my life pretty much. Uh, so that, but I loved it so much. So, uh, that is Portage by Sue Leaf. I really wish you could have seen my face when you said <laughs> the word canoeing for the first time, because it was like, confusion but affection and like <laughs> i'm yeah. willing to hear this out uh that is that is so great also i went canoeing like a year and a half ago and we got lost and it was horrifying but <laughs> um i hope that you have a successful canoeing voyage okay 
Uh, my next is Assassination Vacation by Sarah Vowell. Sarah Vowell is just uh, so dry, so smart, such a, a great, um, I'm going to call her a historian. I don't think she has a degree, but whatever. So in Assassination Vacation, she visits the sites of presidential assassinations when she binds them by the fact that Robert Todd Lincoln was present at all of them. Which, to the point that he was, like, making jokes about it later in his life, he was like, oh, you don't want me at your inauguration. <laughs> but um, she uh, – it's just so funny and so interesting. And, you know, she, like, talks about her visit there, but also the history. And it's one of my favorite kind of, um, let's say, contemporary history books. So, again, that is Assassination Vacation by Sarah Vell. Uh, excellent. So my next pick is another collection of essays, uh, My Own Devices by Dessa. Um, so Dessa is a singer, songwriter, rapper um, from Minneapolis. She is part of um, a group called Doomtree, and then she tours by herself. And this collection of essays is um, kind of her first uh, her first book, I think. And it's just a really interesting collection of stuff stories about being a musician, stories about being on the road. And then there's a thread going through it about her kind of on and off long-term relationship, romantic entanglement with um, another member of the band. And so then the um, biggest um, essay in the collection is about how she uh, partnered with scientists to see if she could use um, this new technique to like get the love basically out of her brain and like re like use the science to retrain her brain. So she wouldn't be in love with this person anymore. And it's a great essay. It's so interesting. And she's a great writer. Just so many good sentences in this book. So my own devices by Dessa. I probably mention this every time that you talk about Dessa, but her version of congratulations yes. on the Hamilton mixtape is the best song on that entire thing. Like, Oh my gosh, it's so good. I'm going to listen to it after this episode. There's an essay all about what that was like recording it. It was so good. <gasps> oh my gosh. <laughs> this is excellent information, Kim. Thank you. Um, okay. My next pick is White Fragility, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism by Robin D'Angelo, who uh, was talking about how helpful Layla Saad's book was, our sponsor. So oh. that's awesome. Um so White Fragility, I read it last year. I want to read it every year. It's really thin, so it's like you can get through it quickly, but there's so much to think about in terms of she's kind of like – uh, racism is uh, systemic and everyone participates in it and don't freak out if someone calls you racist because we're all doing it and we can't learn if we just react defensively. And it's just like it makes you think about um, basically how to change your day-to-day -day behavior and to be more accountable and to, again, not just sort of like lapse into a like, oh my gosh, you called me a racist so now you think I'm a horrible person mentality, which makes it about you and not the person who might have been injured by the anyway so it's really good again white fragility by robin d'angelo oh so good i have that one i should i need to read it it's going on my list all right next one uh the distraction addiction by alex sujung kim pang um and so i've read a lot of books about like digital um how digital devices affect your brains and how to reduce distractions and how to just come up with different strategies for dealing with that and this is one of the ones that i really liked the most um he uses um a lot of different um kind of things to think about where he talks about conscious computing and how can you develop conscious relationships with your devices because they do offer kind of important connections and tools 
tools for us, but we need to use them carefully. Um, and he talks about a Buddhist principle called the monkey mind and how we can try and tame our monkey minds to use our devices better. And something about that has always stuck with me. And so this book I really liked for kind of those, the different um, approaches that he took to trying to get at those questions about how we deal with devices in the digital world. So uh, that is The Distraction Addiction by Alex Sujung Kim Pang. Good job with all these, like, here's how you can make your life better kind of books, Kim. <laughs> really, really admire you for reading those. Um, my next pick is All You Can Ever Know by Nicole Chung. So um, Nicole Chung, she was placed for adoption by her Korean parents as a baby. She was raised by a white family in this Oregon town, and she – basically ends up – the whole book is about her kind of reconciling how she she feels sort of rootless. She wants to learn more about her original sort of family and um, she's, you know, and kind of trying to figure out her place as this, um, quote, like transracial adoptee. And also like discovering her identity as an Asian-American writer – and she meets her sister in the book, like her biological sister, and she like talks about that relationship and like, you know, obviously still having um, these like conflicting feelings about her adopted parents who she loves so much, but then she like wants to find out about her roots. Anyway, it's so good. And um, I kind of always pair it with Little Fires Everywhere. And as like a fiction, nonfiction kind of thing, um, my book club read Little Fires Everywhere and I read All You Can Ever Know right after that. And I was like, oh my gosh, these books like speak to each other. So again, that is All You Can Ever Know by Nicole Chung. It's so good. Yeah, it is really good. And good compare, good uh, book connection. That is really smart. I didn't think of that, but you're totally right. All right. So my next pick is a book called How Star Wars Conquered the Universe by Chris Taylor. Uh, and this is a book looking at like the whole history of the Star Wars uh, franchise and kind of what it has meant to culture, what it has meant to pop culture, what it has meant to other movies, what it, and sort of how it's kind of out there in the world. And so even if you've never seen those movies, you know a lot of the pieces of them because it's so ingrained in everything we think about. Um, and this is older. It was written before kind of the last trilogy um, came out. So it references that that is going to happen, but it doesn't have anything about that. It's really about the original three movies and then the, the kind of first, second, whatever, you know what I'm talking about. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> the second trilogy of the first three movies, whatever. Um, I thought it was super interesting. And um, I'm not a huge, I'm a, I like the Star Wars movies, but I'm not like a super fan or anything. But I found a lot of it that was really interesting. So How Star Wars Conquered the Universe by Chris Taylor. That's awesome. Do you remember our Star Wars episode? That was fun. It was fun. Um, my next pick is Crash Override, How Gamergate Nearly Destroyed My Life and How We Can Win the Fight Against online hate by zoe quinn zoe quinn is the um origin of um it's about ethics in gaming journalism <laughs> and uh was just absolute like i cannot imagine the level of harassment that she received online as a result of basically an ex-boyfriend got mad at her and she um, founded a nonprofit to help people protect themselves online it's awesome her book talks about that it talks about you know the um, initial part of gamergate like how it blew up and how she dealt with it um and how you know it affected like her mental health but then like the steps she took it's so good and interesting and um she just basically is like i just wanted to make games like i just wanted to make games that people would enjoy and because of um not having 
like not knowing anything about like online protection, uh, a lot of stuff happened to me that didn't need to have happened. Um, uh, aside from, of course, the choices made by terrible people. So again, that is Crash Override by Zoe Quinn. Very cool. All right, I have one more sort of personal development-ish book, and I think that's the last one on the list. So, uh, yeah. So it is uh, called The Power of Meaning by Emily Estani Smith. Uh, and this is a book about ways to find personal meaning in your life. Um, and it's particularly looking at ways that are not tied to religious um, lessons or, or anything like that. It's about really concrete stuff about finding purpose, about finding connection, and about finding like work and things that are important. So she has four pillars of meaning and outlines what those are and then how you can kind of find those four pillars in your own life. Um, and I found it very kind of moving and helpful thinking through some of those things um, when I read it a few years ago. So uh, The Power of Meaning by Emily S. Smith. Awesome. You can do all of the self-help books. That is fine. <laughs> um, my next pick is The Last Black Unicorn by Tiffany Haddish. My fiance and I did the audiobook of this on a road trip, and it was so funny and like just long enough that it was good for like – I don't know. I think it was like three to four hours each way. So that was like perfect. She um, talking talks about uh, basically getting revenge on an ex boyfriend and like her her trip to fame. I guess that's a weird way of saying it. Her her journey, voyage, etc. Lots of words that are similar. Um, no, she talks about how she you know was doing stand up and how she kind of like had this fame explosion, let's say, um, with Girls Trip and how. Like, things that have been, like, hard for her, but also throughout the entire book, she is very funny. So, which I guess one would expect. Again, that is The Last Black Unicorn by Tiffany Haddish. Amazing. I bet that is really good on audio. Um, all right. Next pick, The Emperor of All Maladies by Siddhartha Mukherjee. Uh, so this is a giant book, and it is a biography of cancer. So he um, is a doctor, and so he writes about kind of the the whole like history of cancer, like when people first believed cancer started to happen and how we have learned to treat it and not treat it and all the things that have kind of advanced in science. But then he also writes about his experience with patients who have cancer and what kind of that, um, what the medical profession looks like for those folks. And um, it's very moving. It's very readable despite being 600 pages long. Like it's just a really, it's so well done and the writing is beautiful. Um, so if you want to like, really get into something. It's a, a great book. So The Emperor of All Maladies, Siddhartha Mukherjee. Look at you and your big, impressive books. You know what I noticed is that you tend to pick books that are like national award winner books, and I tend to pick books that are Goodreads popular choice books. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you did talk about that one about like the 1718 London Ryan. I don't think that won a Goodreads award. 1780, Kim. Come on. Didn't I okay. say 1780? Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, if you did, then I totally, then that's awesome. Um, that book is really good. So, okay. Um, my next book is Never Caught, The Washington's Relentless Pursuit of Their Runaway Slave, Ona Judge by Erica Armstrong Dunbar. This book is so good. As we have talked about, books about the Revolutionary War are going to be coming out for forever. Books about the Founding Fathers gonna be coming out for forever so you need some kind of balance to that because so many of of them kind of practice the sort of like hagiography thing where it's gonna be like george washington and how he led a nation and this book is about an enslaved person owned by martha washington who george washington was relentlessly pursuing and was like 
after she got away, right? She, like, gets mm-hmm. away and is living her own life. Kim's read this book. And they're still trying to get her back when it's like, don't you have better things to do with your time? But anyway, um, Erica Armstrong Dunbar does a great job of taking the little information that they have and crafting a really interesting narrative with it. It's so good. Again, that is never caught by Erica Armstrong Dunbar. It is real good. All right. My next pick is uh, From the Corner of the Oval by Backdory Stein. Um, I have been low-key, maybe maybe more than low-key obsessed with Obama administration memoirs in the last couple of years because they just, like, I find them very comforting. Um, this book, um, one of the reviews described it as Bridget Jones meets um, The West Wing, which I think is very, I think is very funny and very accurate. Um uh, Backdory Stein gets a job as a transcriptionist uh, or stenographer with the uh, Obama administration. And so it's about all the time she gets to go on these really famous things to be a stenographer. But then also like romances and coming of age and all of that kind of stuff because she's a mid-20s woman writing about her time in the White House. And I found it delightful. So From the Corner of the Oval by Backdory Stein. Uh, my next one is They Can't Kill Us All, Ferguson, Baltimore, and a New Era in America's Racial Justice Movement by Wesley Lowry. This um, book is – it's called Deeply Reported, um, and it talks about the sort of quest for justice in the deaths of Michael Brown, Tamir Rice, and Freddie Gray. And it's talking about, like, police violence in America, how the police have, like, this enormous, like – extremely inflated budget and so they're buying all this like basically military grade riot gear and stuff and then just like what was actually happening on the ground during things like ferguson so um again that is they can't kill us all by wesley lowry fascinating good pick all right my next pick good talk by mira jacob uh this is a illustrated memoir um the premise of it is that mira jacob has a six-year-old um biracial son he and he starts at six to ask like some really complicated questions about race and family and politics in the united states and all of these different things and so the whole book is about um these conversations that she's trying to have with her son and explain things to him in a way that he'll understand but then also the conversations that she is having with her white husband and with her white in-laws who are Trump supporters and just about like the whole idea of how difficult conversations can be, but how important that really is into connecting with each other and really understanding things. So um, it can be really hard to read in parts, but I thought it was really interesting. And the way that she does the illustrations is really, really cool. So a uh, good talk by Mira Jacob. I'm in the middle of that one and it is so good. Mm-hmm. Thanks for talking about it, Kim. Okay. Anyway, uh, my next one is American Heiress, The Wild Saga of the Kidnapping, Crimes, and Trial of Patty Hearst by Jeffrey Tubin. I will read anything that Jeffrey Tubin writes at this point. I think mm-hmm. he does a great job of synthesizing information and giving as balanced a version of it as he can. And um, I did the audiobook of American Heiress. It was great. It was very long, but it was great. So um, again, if you want to hear about Patty Hearst and all of that wackiness that happened, and um, it is American Heiress by Jeffrey Tubin. Excellent. All right. My next pick is The Empathy Exam. It's by Leslie Jameson. Uh, this is a collection of essays about um, all sorts of different things. The um, title essay um, is about her experience being a medical actor. So she would go in and um, it was it's a thing that trying to help um, medical students learn to like interact and diagnose patients. So she ha- got a character who had certain ailments and illnesses and that kind of thing. And she had to go in and act and try to help these doctors like learn to interact with patients. Um, but there's lots of different essays in there just about like 
uh, empathy, obviously. Um, I think they're fascinating. I thought they're really good. She has a, another collection that came out just this year. The Empathy Exams is her first one that I really liked. Uh, so that, yeah, the Empathy Exams, Leslie Jameson. My next pick is Political Tribes, Group Instinct, and the Fate of Nations by Amy Chua. I really, really loved this. Her whole um, – she wrote the Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mother. She's a Yale Law um, professor. Yeah. Um, so her whole sort of theory is that humans are tribal and we need to belong to groups. And But the ones that matter the most are like ethnic, religious, sectarian, or clan-based. But America – tends to like look at things as uh quote nation states engaged in great ideological battles so like capitalism versus communism so one of the things she talks about is vietnam and how we were just sort of looking at it as this like communist fight when really a lot of it had to do with um the capitalists in vietnam were this like hated chinese minority who had colonized vietnam and um the vietnamese had been fighting against for like decades if not centuries my memory is going there but basically she talks about all these different countries and how the way that tribal um feelings show up and how it can sort of we should basically shift our thinking it's really good again that is political tribes by amy chua Oh, good. All right. This is my 20th pick, which means we've done 40 books. So we're going to fly through the last 10. Uh, number book number 40, uh, Knocking on Heaven's Door by Katie Butler. Um, so this is a memoir by a woman who, um, whose father, in order to give kind of a basic um, hernia surgery when he's in his mid-70s, I think, uh, needs to get a pacemaker. That's a requirement uh, before the surgeon will do that. So they give him a pacemaker they, to do this optional, to do this, this surgery to try and help him become more comfortable. And then he his health rapidly declines, and but he's kept alive much longer than he really would have been because he has this pacemaker, and it becomes a very big deal to disconnect or turn the pacemaker off. So it's all about medical intervention and the medical system and how um, sometimes the the medical interventions that are paid for by insurance don't actually improve or uh, improve your current quality of life. And so it's about kind of those balances and questions. And she writes about both of her parents aging. And I thought it was very interesting. And it led to some really cool conversations with my own dad, who um, used to be a person who helped design medical devices. So uh, Knocking on Heaven's Door by Katie Butler. Ooh, I'm going to try to be as pithy as possible in our final 10. <laughs> so uh, my next is Amateur, A True Story About What Makes a Man by Thomas Page McBee. Thomas Page McBee is a trans man. The whole book is about his exploration of uh, masculinity. He is taking boxing lessons to participate in this amateur boxing fight. It is so good and interesting. And I've talked about it before. Read it. Amateur by Thomas Page McBee. So good. All right. Leaving Orbit by Margaret Lazarus Dean is a book about kind of the end of the American shuttle program. So Margaret Lazarus Dean is kind of obsessed with space and space flight. And so she writes about her experiences going down to Cape Canaveral to see the last shuttles go up. It's about the history of the American space program. Um, it is really, um, well-written and uh, kind of meandering and gets at a lot of different kind of topics related to space. And I thought it was fascinating. Leaving Orbit by Margaret Lazarus Dean. I'm not even going to repeat the title of this one because it's so short. It's going to take you half an hour to read. Just do it. We Should All Be Feminists by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Done. Boom. <laughs> All right, Five Days at Memorial by Sherry Fink. Uh, this is a book about what happened at a hospital in New Orleans in the five days after Hurricane Katrina. Um, they were without power. They were um, working with limited resources, and in that suit, they were not getting um, support from either their corporate place or um, the kind of support that they needed from um, 
FEMA and that kind of thing. And so doctors and nurses there made some really awful choices to try and um, get them and their patients out of there. And it is um, troubling, but also such an interesting read. And the way that Sherry thinks structures the whole story to try and kind of dole out the the kind of answers we know and answers we don't is fascinating. Uh, Five Days at Memorial by Sherry Fink. Been meaning to read that for forever. Real good. The Ridiculous Race, 26,000 Miles, Two Guides, One Globe, No Airplanes by Steve Healy and Vali Sekaran. It's basically they make a bet about who can get around the world fastest um, without using airplanes. Um, just going to spoil it now. Volley cheats and gets on an airplane. <laughs> However, um, it's so funny and interesting and they go in like cargo ships. I am I need to talk faster. However, it's basically there's so much info. Read it. It's so funny and fun. The Ridiculous Race by Steve Healy and Vali Chandra Sekaran. So good. All right. Uh, Another Day in the Death of America by Gary Young. So uh, what Gary Young does for this book is he picks a random day. I think it was an, a random day in November. And he reports on all of the children, so people under 18, who were killed by guns in the United States on that particular day. Um, some of the stories are very in-depth because he was able to talk to families and parents and friends and all of that. Other families did not really want to be involved. And so the stories are super short. But it gives this very wide-ranging but also, like, seemingly comprehensive look at all of the different ways guns kill people and guns can kill people accidentally on purpose and be used in different ways. And it is um, stark and uh, frustrating to read, but so, so good. Another Day in the Death of America by Gary Young. Um, my third to last pick is Mayflower, A Story of Courage, Community, and War by Nathaniel Philbrick. I have been thinking about this book Ever since I read it, which was more than a year ago, it shows basically how we are have been like morally screwed since the beginning of America. It was so much stuff I did not know about the pilgrims. And oh my gosh, like Miles Standish and his just like he's a psychopath. Okay. Um, anyway, that all that I've heard about him before was his like courtship of what is it, like Priscilla Miles? Anyway, it doesn't matter. So it's so good. You'll learn about fishing. You'll learn about murder in America. And basically, again, how we um, – this whole myth that we have about how we had this, like, peaceful beginning and, like, we just screwed it up later. No, it was screwed up from the beginning. Again, that is Mayflower by Nathaniel Philbrick. All right. Next to last pick, This Life is in Your Hands by Melissa Coleman. Uh, this is a memoir about, um, Melissa Coleman is writing about her family growing up as homesteaders in the 1970s in Maine, I think. And so it's this kind of idyllic, but also very troubling childhood. And so she writes about like how great it was to go out there, but also like how it was very hard on her family and about the impact that the accidental death of her baby sister had on the rest of the family. Um, it is just beautifully written and um, just kind of a book you want to just like sink into because the writing's so great. Uh, this Life is in Your Hands by Melissa Coleman. I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara. If you haven't read it by now, I don't know <laughs> if me saying it again is going to make you do it, but uh, read it, not at night, the end. <laughs> so 
so true. Do not read that book at night. It's so freaking scary. All right. Uh, last, my last pick is called Reset by Ellen Powell, and it is a Silicon Valley memoir. She was a venture, she worked at a venture capital firm, and then, um, she filed a suit about workplace gender discrimination, and that suit was one of the first ones to really get any traction. It rocked Silicon Valley, um, it changed kind of the course of her life, and it was a huge deal. Um, and she, it's a fascinating look at Silicon Valley and about her experience as a woman of color and what it was like to kind of get there and discover that things were not as she expected. Uh, super good reset by Ellen Powell. Oh my gosh, that sounds so good. Um, and my last pick is The Sixth Extinction by Elizabeth Colbert, which I have also recommended on here so many times. It's especially pertinent right now with climate change. If you want to hear about lots of different animals and flora, then check it out. The Sixth Extinction by Elizabeth Colbert. We did it! We did it! Oh my gosh, 50 Yay. nonfiction picks! Woohoo! Um, with that, if you want to find us on social media, yell at Kim for the reason that I've forgotten already. Um, then I am at It's Alice Time and Kim is at Kim the Dork. And if you have a few minutes and you're so inclined, please take a minute to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that helps people find us more easily. And while you're there, you can subscribe so that you will get new episodes the very minute that they come out. And so with that, I'm Kim Ugra. And I'm Alice Burton. And we thank you for listening to this week's episode of the 4 Real Podcast. Thank you.